Welcome to No Ideas Original Sports. I'm Kenyatta. Here with Reem and Theo. How you guys doing? All is well, bro. I'm good. How was the week, man? Everything good? Can't complain. Yeah. yeah. A lot of rest, man. A lot of rest for the body, man. Yeah, we over here Memorial Day weekend in a rain out. Complete yeah. rain out. Yeah. Three straight days of rain. Maybe tomorrow we get a little, little bit of um, a little bit of something. I don't know if it's gonna be sunny, but maybe we'll get out of the rain. Right, right. So, guys, we in the middle of the NBA playoffs. There's a lot to talk about about that. You know, different things going on. Uh, but I think we should start with the hometown teams because I know everybody wants to <laughs> jumping at that one. I mean, the Knicks worked hard to become the fourth seed. To, you know, to get the home court advantage and stuff like that. But now it just seems like, at least to me, it seems like the moment might be too big for some of these guys. You know, I think, you know, I think Derrick Rose, you know, a guy who's been in the Eastern Conference Finals and stuff, you know, he's, he's doing what he does. None of this stuff is too big for him, but it seems like it might be a little big for Randall and a little big for RJ. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, a little disappointed in Randall. Um, RJ as well, but Randall especially. This is a guy who averaged, granted, they're playing them differently, right? Because it's playoff time, they're focused in, they're locked in on them. But this is a guy who averaged 30-something points against the Hawks in the regular season. And this guy, he can't even make a layup now. It's, it's crazy. Um, so I think from my uh, perspective, I think he's kind of sort of playing his way out of a, of a max deal. I still think he deserves a good deal. I would give him a, a raise over the 20 million he's getting now. But Max, I don't know if I could commit to him after this performance. Um, especially if they do it this if they do it this summer, then maybe the Max, because it, it's a little better. If they wait till next summer, there's no way he's getting like a super max or whatever it is. I wouldn't even consider it. But the team in a whole as a whole is down. You know, RJ kind of getting exposed a little bit that he he can't really create his own shot. And you got Bullock, who I like defensively, and he can knock down the three. Um, but I feel like we just have too many guys who can't create their own shot. So you have Bullock, who can't. RJ struggling to create his own. Randall can kind of sort of create his own, but he's a bit sloppy with the ball. Nerlens Noel, he's no offense. You know, he's, he's a good rim protector, no offense. The occasional lob here and there. Um, but yeah, I think, and even their bench, like you mentioned, Kenyatta, uh, Derek Rose, the moment is not too big for him. He he's he's playing better than he's played all year, so he's stepping up, which is I kind of expect him to. I don't know about at this level, averaging twenty something points, but I kind of expected Rose to be solid. I think Gibson is somewhat solid. Again, he's a veteran, um, so I don't think the moment is too big for him. But yeah, I'm definitely, I don't know, to me team is kind of getting exposed a little bit and I think um, the organization has a lot of evaluation to do um, to see who stays and who goes let's put it that way yeah uh, it's definitely a disappointment being a Knicks fan as far as I'm concerned had a great year he's a multiple play the war winner uh, but yeah listen if it's between a postseason regular season you know, team make adjustments. And what we've seen now is the Atlanta Hawks making some very positive adjustments as far as uh, defending Randall. 
and it's kind of exposed around the way where he can't do offensively. You know, his handle's not really strong enough to, uh, you know, to dash create for others. The ball always, he's always uh, doing the ball out of bounds or kicking the ball or falling or trying to dribble the ball or trying to create. At the same time, just give Atlanta credit because Atlanta Hawks never had the same team it was during the season. You know, got some plays like uh, Jonathan Hunter, who missed the majority of the season, he's back. Donari missed most of the season, he's back. You know, didn't have Will Williams late, late in the season for his trade concern. And Bernardovich always been a big time shooter when healthy. So, a lot of, so the team we played this season is not the same team we playing right now. So that's what it is. You see the four being spread out with shooters for Trey Young. And Trey Young right now is, is you know, doing a, doing a very good uh, stuff current presentation right now. So, uh, that being said, Atlanta uh, Hawks is not the same team as it was. Based on, based on adding new players or based on adding players who are healthy now, you know, contributing. Thank you. know what? I think, Theo, you're right because when you mentioned the guys that the Hawks have, Kareem, you mentioned Todd Gibson, another guy who's not afraid of the moment. Alec Burks, a guy from Utah who's been in the, you know, been in the playoffs. But Theo, the guys you mentioned, those guys all been in the playoffs. They, the, every single person from, like, from Capella. The only people that haven't really been, you know, um, Gallinari, these guys are playoff-tested guys. Lou Williams. So they, they've all been battle-tested or something. I mean, the only people that really haven't is Trey Young and John Collins. That's then Hunter. That's in that rotation. But the, all everybody else in the rotation have been in the playoffs and deep into the playoffs. I think Bogdanovich, this may be his first his first. Yeah, this might be, yeah, this might be his first, too. But they, they have a lot of players in the rotation that have been into the in the playoffs and been fairly deep in the playoffs. A lot of a lot of good veterans there. So I think that helps. And you know, even though some of these guys they listen, I think I think like like Theo said, you gotta give the Hawks some credit for you know, for um for what they're doing. But I, I think that with the Knicks, you guys been saying it all year, they do need a point guard. They need they need a real guy to bring the ball up. To put these guys in position to score because when they can't create their own shots, somebody's got to get them the ball with a position where maybe it's one or two dribbles away, you know, or something where it's a shot that'll that'll help them out. So that's something they'll probably look at. But uh, to Theo's question, I think right now Derrick Rose is the best player on the team right now. That's that's, yeah. that's undoubted. The one thing too, in, in regards to the point guard, because I know I was high on them originally bringing in Lonzo, but after watching this, I'm a little concerned about bringing bringing in Lonzo in terms of like if they're gonna bring in Lonzo and he he decides to be aggressive, then I'm excited about that. But they don't need Lonzo out there trying to be the ultimate role player. You pay him 20 million. And I think Trey Young is, which we already, as Knicks fans, of course, we've been new this. That's why we've been screaming for a point guard um, for all these years. You need, in today's NBA, you need an attacking point guard. You need a point guard who can get into the paint, draw the defense in, and then you need shooters around them. That's that's the formula. Granted, it's not that it sounds easier uh, said than done, right, to get that point guard Right, because not everybody's Trey Young. Where was Atlanta before they brought in Trey Young, right? Yeah. Um, but we need that attacking point guard. So if we bring in a guy like Lonzo, he's got to be aggressive if he gets into the paint. Because I do think he can break a defense down. But is he going to break the defense down and immediately look to kick it out and stuff like that? We need him looking to score, which is why you heard the rumors about the Knicks being so interested in Damian Lillard and. 
that's the type of guy you need. Like, you don't necessarily need a guy out there in today's NBA looking to, to average 10 assists per game. You know, if I'm the Knicks, I might even take a chance on this guy. I think he's in the last year of his deal. So if you don't want Lonzo, maybe maybe New Orleans will give you like a pick or something attached to Eric Bledsoe. They've been trying to get rid of him. And Bledsoe, he's not the, the ideal shooter, but he defends and gets to the basket. He'll definitely look at the score if you let him. Right. He's definitely not going to back down to anybody. I, I I like Lonzo. It's just I want him to, to basically be LaMelo, essentially, right? Yeah. LaMelo came into the league, and he's he's aggressive. Granted, he has a different type of game. He's always been a bit more of a scorer, I would say, than Lonzo. But Lonzo, I think, has it in him to attack. I don't know if it's because he just came into the league, right, and immediately was – putting that passive role, right, with LeBron and, and that team over there in L.A. Now, with Zion Williamson, they toyed with having Zion running the point and all that. So I'm sure that kind of affected Lonzo's game. Um, but I I like Lonzo. I just think if we bring him in, especially at the price tag he's going to be asking for, we need him to be an aggressive Lonzo, not just bring the ball up, throw it to the corner, throw, throw it to Randall, let's say, on the wing, and then go stand in the corner. I also think uh, Schroeder is a good possibility. Now I'm seeing rumors pop up about Colin Sexton maybe in a trade. Um, I think he's an attacking point guard. So he would be, you know, fill a, a need. I heard the Bulls were even considering possibly um, trading Kobe White. Yeah, he's another guy who I wouldn't mind bringing in because he, he can be aggressive. He can get into the paint and attack. Derrick Rose can do that, as we've seen, but I wouldn't mortgage the future. I wouldn't rely on Derrick Rose, and not even from a skill standpoint. We know what he could do from a skill standpoint, even at this age. Um, but can you rely on him to stay healthy, playing 30-something minutes a game again? I don't think you could do it for necessarily a full season doing that. That's, that's where I think the problem comes in with, with Derrick Rose. And then quickly, I like quickly but quickly is definitely more of a, a two guard he's a combo guard but he's not the type of guy who who you want to um, have running the offense per se maybe in spurts here and there I think he can grow into that type of role um, but the one thing I do like about quickly that he has in him is that aggressiveness yeah. quickly is not playing well in this area well he's hardly playing but the minutes he is playing he's not playing well but he doesn't necessarily look scared out there to me no, He's just missing shots, you know? I think that's one of the interesting things about playing for Kentucky. I don't think any Kentucky players are scared because they like the, they were the, the top players at their schools, the top players in college, so they've been probably in more environments. Some of those guys, are sad to say, have probably played in bigger moments than some of these guys in the NBA. If you, if you, if you look at it, there's some interesting people out there for the Knicks, though, just talking to them because, you know, T.J. Warren's a free agent. Yeah, he, he he played well in the bubble, right? He was like the bubble MVP or something like that. Then, unfortunately, he came out and got hurt. Yeah. I was kind of waiting to see what he was going to do this season, whether he could have a, you know, a big follow-up to his bubble performance. So I was unfortunate. But for a team like the Knicks, if they are interested in somebody like him, uh, you may be able to get him for cheaper than you would have, right, due to the injury or whatever the case may be. 
Um, I know Oladipo's name originally floated around in that. Now Oladipo potentially may miss uh, next season because um, they were saying the doctors who did his most recent surgery were saying they don't even know how he was playing because the tendon was still torn. Yeah. So Oladipo may be out, but I would stay away from him. I'm gonna throw a name out there. You guys may not like it, but I, I really think this guy's got some just some tread left. And I, I, if you look at the season he played, he didn't have a bad season. If, if, if they could work the salary in, or it's a few years, or what's left, John Wall. John Wall was yeah. Really, yeah. You know I what? I think you know, maybe will, at this point I may be willing to take a flyer on him because yeah. he kind of sort of minus the jump shot, right? John Wall's jump shot is a little suspect, but yeah. you know what's going on right now with with um the Knicks in terms of not having anybody to really create their own and get that it to wouldn't them. Happen, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't have happened Trey Young would have to defend because right yeah. now they're basically hiding Trey Young on Reggie Bullock right yeah Bullock can only shoot you know if you give him the ball in the right positions even even for a guy like that I don't think Bullock moves around enough in terms of like off screens yeah, and stuff like that occasionally he does but I don't think he does it enough so Trey Young is just pretty much resting while Bullock is sitting in the corner that's yeah. why I keep saying the Knicks need to go to a lineup where I get Bullock is a great he's a pretty good defender I'll say I don't know about great but he's a, a solid defender but I think the Knicks at this point need to go with with their shooters their scorers and try to just outscore them put put quickly in there right put some guys put Burke quickly RJ put these guys in that way Trey Young is gonna have to defend right now he's sitting in the corner um defending Bullock resting and then coming up and down on the offensive end doing whatever he wants with a guy like Trey Young, you got to make him work on defense and get physical with him. Yeah. Another thing I would like to see the Knicks do in this series is put Randall, instead of using Randall in that point forward position, put him in the post. Let Randall post up a little bit. Because him trying to create, like Theo mentioned earlier, he's losing the ball off his foot, he's slipping, he's falling, throwing passes out of bounds. Put him, put him on the block and see what he can do. I think he has a decent post-up game down there, Randall. Yeah. More than likely, it's going to result in one of those fadeaways, but he's going to do that anyway. You know, so put him down there and see what he could do. Let him try to draw fouls. Well, I, I will say this much so far as the series continues. It doesn't really matter which fouls on the court. you got to make shots. So you have your own squad or defensive squad or mix and match. This is getting good looks from game one to game four, and nobody making shots but there, bro. Becomes very, very suspect at that. He becomes more selfish and takes a lot of bad shots when he gets hot. But this, this as a whole, is not making no shots. And you're getting good looks, man. Arjun's getting good looks. Bull looks. Arjun Rand is getting good looks. They ain't got their role making his shots, but everybody else is, is missing. And they're all getting good quality look at the basket, and none of them is making shots. So it doesn't really matter. So it depends on these guys keeping hot. So eventually, I mean, after four games, you gotta get hot eventually, right? So I'm assuming you can't go five, six games without picking up jump shots. But um, as far as point guard concerned, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think Ken Rose can play the point guard. Just limit his minutes. They have a good quality backup point guard. You know, all this having lines on the ball, on the ball, not a scorer. He's a facilitator. You can't make the bite what they, what they not. Not the ball, not a scorer. 
the suspect shoots for three point range. He got a little bit better though, but he still, you know, a guy who let him shoot threes before allowing him to drive and penetrate and then just show off to somebody else. But um, I would I would stick, stick the rules for now. Depend who's out there. If Lillard's there, it depends. But listen, if, Lillard, if we had Lillard right now, we would still lose. You know why? Because nobody else is making shots. Yeah. All there is making shots. Camelo, CJ, those guys making shots out there in Portland. Yeah. We're not none at all. Nobody. But you know what? I, I wonder. I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that these guys are like they're trying to do too much. Granted. If you take, let's say you take Trey Young and you put him on the Knicks and you put Alfred Payton on on the Hawks, Trey Young makes the game so much easier for these guys. Bogdanovich is hitting wide open threes. It's not like, you know, he's contested, right? DeAndre Hunter, he's not really creating shots for himself. He's just hitting shots that are wide open. So when you got a guy like that, these guys make the game so much easier. And right. uh, Capella has Capella caught anything besides a lob this series? I don't know well, if he's Capella, caught anything besides a lob. You know he's not shooting anything outside of the paint. Right. Well, Capella is playing like Matumbo right now. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know what? It doesn't even have to come from the point guard position because if you look at Phoenix, they have that in, in Booker, right? Booker is able to break down the defense so much. And, right. and the same thing with CP3. But using Booker as an example, he gets into the paint and he's able to create shots that now you got to collapse on him. And that's when you see Jay Crowder hitting these threes, right? That's when you see the other guy can't, um, the small forward. What's this guy, the link, long, lanky guy? Cam Johnson. Uh, well, him, the guy who... Uh, well, um, Mikel Bridges. Yeah, Bridges, right, who the Knicks probably should have drafted over Knox, right? But he's hitting these, these corner threes and... The, the Knicks don't really have anybody like that. And that's why, like, t- to collapse the defense, and that's why these guys are struggling, you know? I would say, think about it, I would say Kevin Knox would be a lot better if he was playing with a guy like Trey Young. He would be able to sit in that corner, right? And just, because yeah. Kevin, that's one thing Kevin Knox could do. He could, he could hit open shots. Yeah. With that, the Knicks can't, can't get him open, right? <laughs> He can't create for himself, and there's nobody who could collapse the defense to get get him a shot. I, I will tell you this: as, as crazy as it sounds, do you know who the Knicks should consider? Consider forget about Burks and Bullock. They should consider bringing back Tim Hardaway, because I guarantee you, Tim Hardaway would get his shots up, and he would make shots. If I'm him, I would stay away from it. <laughs> you know, Grant, <laughs> so you would stay away. <laughs> you can't go back to the same team three times. You know. <laughs> That's like the definition of insanity. Each time he's been here, he's performed. That's the part that's crazy. It's like, he doesn't come here not to perform. They just get rid of him. But he's performed. Yeah, I never, I, I always liked Tim Hardaway. I could understand why they got rid of him the last time, right? Star chasing the salary cap. Yeah. Whatever else. The first time I didn't, right, understand why they got rid of him. They just sent them over to the Hawks. I don't even, who did they get for him? I don't even know who they got for him when they sent them over to the Hawks. But there, there's a lot of there's a lot of the type of players we're talking about. The Knicks gotta just look at they gotta look young. Like look at some of these young guys. So there's guys on people's benches, like even like with some guys that you that guys are stepping doing all right. Like everybody, Jalen Brown's not in for the Celtics and stuff, and different guys there, but 
this Romeo Langford dude from Indiana. He could he create. Him. Yeah, he could create shots for yeah. him. He yeah. guys yeah. could create a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at right now. I'm looking at Phoenix, and I'm like, man, I wish we had Cameron Payne. Oh yeah. Right? At, the, at the very least, he could get into the paint. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he could create a shot for himself. I'm looking yeah. at Jalen Brunson from the Mavericks. These guys can at least create. These guys, these guys that look at that. That's a, a, a segue into the Nets, right? The Nets just yeah. so happen to have three of them, right? Yeah. Or more. You got Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. You could give yeah. them the ball and let them create. Well, worst comes to worst. If they can't get a shot on these these plays, they can always get a shot. They can get any shot they want, basically. And they, they're going to get shots for their teammates. You know, I mean, you don't need a whole team of playmakers, but you need at least minimum two or three of them. And yeah. then surrounding those guys, you need shooters, like decent shooters, and then you need basically a, a guy, forget the center in today's NBA is, just needs to be an enforcer down there. Block shots and make sure you secure the rebound. Yeah. And catch an occasional lob when, when the playmaker breaks down the defense. That's all you need a center for these days. Yeah. Outside of that, you need guys who can create shots, get into the paint, and when they do, if they don't lay the ball up or throw the lob to the center we just talked about, they spray it out to the shooters. Until yeah. the Knicks find that particular playmaker, we're going to continue to struggle. I will say, with all of that said, this has been a successful season for the oh, Knicks. Oh, yeah. I, um, I think looking at, the, looking at the Knicks and Knicks, I think part of that is the management philosophy has to change because, like, you the game, like, I think one of the things that I've always seen with the Knicks is that they haven't really begun to understand that the game has changed. So they're still trying to play more of a traditional game where everybody is doing exactly what you just said. Getting guys that are quick and fast, that can get to the rim or whatever, and kicking out to guys that can shoot. Because <laughs> they, the whole, that whole analytics thing is to shoot threes and get to the basket. The in-between game is reserved for superstars. And we should have, we should have predicted Randall would struggle because Randall made a, a living off a of long twos this season. Yeah. Uh, he shot well from from three, but he his living was those those fadeaways. That's not sustainable. Once teams tighten up those fadeaways, that's a yeah. tough way to make a living. Yeah. It, do you guys think the Knicks miss uh, Austin Rivers? I think so to some degree so. because he's a guy who could actually do what we just said. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that was born for us until he got Corbin and Tibbs so-called numbers games for no for no damn reason. Yeah, you're right. That's what happened. That's the truth. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree. He's a guy who could create his own shot off the dribble, get into the paint, and knock down an occasional three. Yeah, he was born for us until Tibbs put him in his numbers game, got caught up, and and got getting DMPs for no damn reason. Yeah, it should have been. We knew once Rose came in that somebody's minutes was going to get cut. And it shouldn't have been Rivers. It should have been Peyton's, in my opinion, right away. You should have just benched Peyton or, or traded him, released him, same way they did Rivers. Look at what teams are doing. We signed Rivers before, before we signed Peyton. Yeah. For what? Yeah. yeah. First place. Yeah, we shouldn't even brought Peyton back, to be honest with you. When the season ended, I was excited, thinking that this was Peyton's last 
you know, his first and only season with the team. And it's not that Peyton is horrible. I think he does have a place in the league, but he adds to the problems the Knicks have. He's he's not put it this way, he's part of he's part of the NBA that's not the going forward part. Like a lot of people will say like, don't get me wrong, he's a serviceable guy. He should be on the team. He should be a backup. He's good for 15 minutes or something here and there. But I give you a perfect example. Look what look what Orlando did. They got rid of Evan Fournier. You know why? Because they want to put Cole Anthony and um what's his name? Markel Fultz in the backcourt. Now, right now, if you the Knicks were playing those guys, could they contend with those two guys in the backcourt? I mean, a lot of teams, look at look at what the Nets look what the Nets did. Look, look at Kyrus Levert. Kyrus Levert gets his own shot, touches the paint, gets other people's shots, and able to score anytime he wants to. Those are the type of guys, like, a, like even a guy like RJ. If I was RJ, I, would, I wouldn't be looking at some of these other guys. I'd be looking at what Kyrus Levert did. Try to turn yourself to, to a player like that. But then, yeah, um, well, RJ should be looking at, I think, I think RJ has done a decent job addressing the jump shot concerns. Obviously, there's still room for improvement with everybody on their jump shot. But I think he's done a decent enough job addressing that. His next uh, thing that he needs to address is his ball handling. You know, because we need him to be one of those playmakers. Randall, I think, needs to address his ball handling too. But as a big, I don't know how much better he's going to get at his size. I think for his size, he's decent enough with the ball in his hands. I just think the ball is in his hands too much in that role. So I got a question for you guys as Nick fans. And I know this guy would help you guys if you had him right now. Could the Knicks use a guy like DeMar DeRozan? Yeah. <laughs> I think yes and no. Because he's a guy who he can create his own shot. I give him that. He's going to draw fouls. Yeah, he's going to draw fouls. The only concerns I have with him is on this particular Knicks team is the spacing. He's not right. Yeah, he doesn't shoot from outside. So here it is. You got another guy who's going to be clogging the paint, so to speak. If those other guys were were jump shooters, um, then yeah, DeRozan would be a guy you 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 know can add value basically to your team. But you gotta you gotta have some shooters around them. And I don't know if the Knicks have enough of those either. Granted, the Knicks were up there in three point percentage. But I think some of that was a bit of a was a, a fluke too, as we're seeing now in this this series, you know. Well, just just going through the other teams, like I was um, looking at the Knicks, looking at the Nets in Boston, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it was great that Boston won a game and Tatum played the game of his career. But I think more so those other games and what's happening tonight is reflective of what the series actually is. Like they getting hammered right now, 118 to 93. So I, I think I think they'll pretty much be done in in five or something. Which yeah, is- I mean, I think they, like you said, they they won their one game. You know, probably wasn't even supposed to get that, but Tatum played out of his mind. I think they would have been a little better. They probably still would only got one game if Jalen Brown was there. But I think they have. The two, like they have two players to build around in Tatum and Brown. Yeah. Now you got to figure out what you're going to do in terms of bigs, right? Because Tristan Thompson isn't the answer because he doesn't do any of the things I, well, he rebounds. I'll give him that. 
yeah. but he's not a lob threat. You need a rebounder and a lob threat, I would say, as a as a big. And I don't think he's a lob threat, really. No, not um, a shot blocker either. Some of those other, yeah, that too, right? He's not really a shot blocker. He's just he's a, a decent rebounder, especially on the offensive glass. But I think they need Boston. I think they need a big. Um, I would say they got to find some way probably to see if they can unload Kemba. Because Kemba, unfortunately, his, and Theo mentioned it before, his better days may be behind him. I mean, um, if, mostly due to injury. If I thought he was going to be healthy, I think he would be perfect for the Knicks. But he's he's exactly what they need if he's healthy. Yeah. yeah, if he's healthy, he's perfect for them. And then, look, you know, the Nets are going to be the Nets. They like, like Theo's, Theo always mentioned the concern. When they have defensive lapses, they'll have trouble. But when they come together and they play defense, they'll they'll do well. They pretty much are never out of any game because they can score at will. So so we don't know what we won't know who the Nets actually are until they get some more games under their belt. Yeah, right? Until we get tested. Yeah. Right now, this isn't a test. This is like a warm up. Yeah. You know, until they get tested, and I, I don't think that test is gonna come until they potentially meet, let's say, like the Sixers or somebody like that, then they'll get tested because the Sixers' strength, which is Embiid, the center, is is the Nets' weakness. And so then they may get tested a little bit, um, but it's, it's, it's still going to be tough to contend with that, that scoring from that team. I will tell you this, just looking at it, looking at the, um, and I'm glad you brought up the Sixers. I mean, they beat Washington. I, I, I don't know. I really wasn't it wasn't really that impressive to me. Washington took that game. You know, Philly came in and they beat them. But I think if Washington had was was in full health, Bill Bradley Bill was in full health, and they had some of their players, they would have made that a much tougher series. Whatever. And I think looking at it, I mean, they got some issues too because as much as people love, um, I love this guy's defense. On offense, he's a liability. Um, What's Simmons? Yeah, Simmons and Simmons did not help them at all. Because in the, you know, in the regular season, they let you do that breaking away. You know, he gets those breakaway moves and penetrates. But in the playoffs, you're not getting a lot of those. So I think he was getting maybe 12 or 10 or something, and having problems with veterans and guys like that. Yeah, he's not Simmons at this point. I, I think it's obvious that Simmons isn't a scorer. As much as we want him to be, you know. Coming, being the number one pick and everything else, um, he's just not a scorer. He's like the ultimate. He's, I would say, he's still a star, but his the way he plays is kind of like the ultimate role player, where he he's a triple double threat every night. Right, he's one of those get you ten points, ten rebounds, ten assists. Probably one of the best defenders in the league, I'd say, all defensive uh, player. But yeah, he, he's, he just can't score. And eventually that may come back to be Philly's, you know, Philly's downfall. Because Embiid can only do so much on the, you know, scoring end. I do think Tobias Harris will give him some scoring. He can get you 20 a night. Yeah. But at some point, you're gonna need a third wheel. And right now, I think they go kind of, that third wheel is kind of like by committee. Yeah. One guy gets hot today, you know, Shake Milton may get 16, 17. <laughs> Seth Curry may go for 18. But when when you play against these tough teams, these top teams, 
that kind of, I don't know, can Seth Curry and, and Shake Milton be relied upon to get 18, 20 points occasionally against the Nets? I, mean, I don't know. And I, you know Ben Simmons, I don't think he he's not going to get you that 18, 20 points on a nightly basis. No, and I don't, I don't think Ben Simmons puts any fear in the KD or any of those guys. I don't think they particularly care about that. Yeah, you can rest on defense against them pretty much. You lay back because he, he's not he's not aggressive enough. And well, it's that jump shot too. He's got to work on that jump shot. I think Ben Simmons plays to the against the level of his opponent. I think he's a much of a nightmare, honestly. You can play him in the post. You sure he can, he can score in the post depending on the matchups. He can, he can get to the basket. The guy is 6'8, six, 6'9, six, so anybody going to stop him going to the rim depending on the matchups. Uh, ben can work his jump shot. He, he's proven that he can make a jump shot here and there, but he ain't consistent enough. But uh, I think he can he um, contribute in many ways besides defense. He can create for others. He has good court vision. He's a good passer. Uh, he could barely finish it. He'll throw, he'll throw on your head in, in a minute. He'll get it twisted. You know, so I think uh, people always want Jones try to be, uh, be a dead horse, so to speak. But I think that he had other skill sets to help, help team out the force and win the games and advance into the playoffs. You know what? I think he's uh I think Ben Simmons is a he's a product of being on the wrong team too in terms of his skill sets. When you have Embiid down there clogging it up, right? The paint that is, then that that kind of goes against Ben Simmons' strengths. Like you just said, Ben Simmons is not gonna ever become a three-point shooter. It's just not that's not who he is. He's more of a of a Giannis type of guy, right? Who you you got to give them shooters, right? You spread the court, give them shooters, right. and then Ben Simmons he could average 18 in a in a you know situation like that because now with those shooters you can't you have to defend them basically, right? Look at Giannis. Giannis is laying down the blueprint for that type of uh, team. It's just that Ben Simmons doesn't have that because you have the ball going down low in the post to Joel or just think about it at one point they tried the other way around right where they kind of had Joel out on the three-point line trying to play that that spread five and he hated it right he was constantly yeah. complaining about it and that was playing to Ben Simmons strength Ben Simmons was getting around 17 18 points under that type of offensive system but now they go back to the Joel and B we, we want to put you on the block, which is hard to argue against. It is just in that scenario, it hurts. It hurts Ben Simmons' game. His strengths is penetrating to the basket, creating for others, and, and like Theo just said, finishing. He could definitely finish. I think I think we would, you you made a good point, a good comparison with Giannis and, and um, Simmons. But I think guys like Giannis actually hurt Simmons. Let me tell you why. Because Giannis is a perfect example. Like he is the, the perfect example of a guy who can't shoot, that has all the physical gifts. I don't think Ben Simmons, ben, if Ben Simmons was a, as athletic as um, Giannis or as strong, you could probably get away with it more. So when you see a guy like Giannis go out there and get 28 points a game and, and fill it up, it, was, it, 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 it kind of listen, detracts away from a guy like Ben Simmons who's playing a similar type of game. I will tell you this, Milwaukee got smarter. They they went out and got those shooters we were talking about, and that that's helped a lot. 
I mean, yeah, I don't know how they are. Uh, they Brent Forbes was hitting so many threes. Yeah, they built the team. They built the team around Giannis's strengths. Giannis, they they realized early on, Giannis is never gonna be a three point shooter. The guy can get to the hole pretty much at will unless you start trying to build that wall against wall, him. Yeah. <laughs> but even now, when you build the wall, he's got the shooter, right? Yep. So if Philly wanted to make Ben Simmons the focal point of the team, they would have to do something similar where you can't have Joel on the paint as, as Simmons is trying to penetrate. Where is he penetrating to, you know? I do think down the road somebody they one of those guys will have to go if they don't win a championship. Well, Philly is smart right now because Philly went went back to having and be in the post. And you know what Philly also did was having Doc Rivers too as a coach these volumes too. You know Doc Rivers is a champion, well respected. So you have as a coach, you got respect. You got you got respect his resume. And, and having him having as a, as a head coach, having him be back in the blocks, putting be in. MVP uh, discussions. You got Ben Simmons might be the best player of the year. You guys have a uh, whole corner band is blocked in the playoffs, no matter who you play, that's outside the West Coast. And, and, and you find guys got some players who, who could contribute with Josh uh, Harris, Ben uh Seth Curry, and Danny Green. You know, so it's, I think that gave that river some credit to coach, man. So listen, guys, but all playing this way, having B, I know you can shoot threes, but we need you. In the post, I give you three shots per game for three point line to satisfy your personal preference. But that being said, we're we're we a good team. If we're a good team. We should jump shots. We could be a great team, and a chip team is in the post. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. You gotta give, like you said, you gotta give Doc Rivers some credit there because Joel Embiid. One of the knocks on him was you don't know who you're gonna get from night to night or something. And with Doc Rivers there, he's an MVP candidate. So you gotta give Doc Rivers his credit for that. So for you know putting Embiid in the best situations and getting him to be consistent and work the work all the time. So you gotta give him that. The other thing I. The other thing I wonder is it's hard to argue with the result like the effect because they've been successful but I wonder what happens if they don't win the championship by at least make the finals if I'm Ben Simmons I'm, I'm sitting around saying wait a minute you know I kind of adhere to this formula because it was working we didn't reach our ultimate goal I'm too good to be a role player right I don't think Ben Simmons is going to want to stick with this role, but for too many seasons, unless they win, right? If they win a championship, it's hard, it's hard for Ben Simmons to say anything. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. Don't, eventually he's going to want one of those Giannis type of setups, right? Where the team is just flat out his and built around his strengths if they don't win with this, this formula. So I think, like Giannis said, eventually, if they don't win, they're going to have to make a decision on who they choose between those two. And I think right now they would choose Embiid. Well, we're talking about um, Giannis and the Bucks. I mean, I was a little disappointed in Miami. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I mean, I don't even think those guys were competitive. I, don't, I mean, can you bring that team back as constructed? I mean, I don't even think if they had Victor Oladipo, it wouldn't have made any difference at all. None. Yeah, I've seen some memes where people were calling them bubble guppies saying they only play well well in the bowl. And I think that's, you know, that's a good point. Tyler Hero's regressed a lot. I don't know what's going on with him. You know, they the rumors is that he's down there 
and, and on South Beach, just hanging out, more focused yeah, on Miami. Yeah, more focused on everything but performing on the court, supposedly. I think uh, Adebayo got exposed a little bit. I, I still think he's good. I think he's a star player, or at least a star in the making, but he got exposed a little bit in this series that he's not on the level they thought he was yet. Um, Jimmy Butler kind of disappointed me because I know we, we talked before and I had Jimmy Butler as one of my my superstars and potential MVP candidates based on his bubble performance last year. So I kind of was expecting him to step up. And he he he's another one of those guys who kind of like fell into that. I'm trying to be the ultimate role player type of thing. And I, I don't know what was going on with him where he just was like way too passive. Um, yeah, that team, I, I don't know what they could have done to make any difference. And the crazy thing with that team is I don't know what they do moving forward either. Duncan Robinson's a free agent. I don't know if I would bring him back, especially for the money that he's going to be asking for, because I don't think he's going to be a difference maker for him. Adebayo is a good piece. I would say keep him around. Jimmy Butler, I think he he adds a lot to that team in terms of the toughness and everything else. But looking at the way he, he was just too passive, I would say bring him back. But somebody's got to get in his ear and tell him to be more aggressive. Do you try to leverage Tyler Hero for like a third quote-unquote star? Does somebody take the bait on Tyler Hero, right, and give you a potential star for him, right, an older player? I mean, to play with Butler and out of bio, or I don't know what you do if you're that Miami Heat team at this point. I think it's tough with them because the way I see it is this, is that we like Butler, but even they have floated rumors around down there that there was some trouble with him and the staff. I don't know if that's true or not, but Butler, you have to have a certain type of personality player to play with him. And I don't know if he can fit in on every single team that's out there. You know he didn't fit in on Minnesota. Joel Embiid loved him, but Ben Simmons hated him. So it's one of those things where he fits in in some places, some places doesn't. So I don't know how many teams will be willing. If you trade for Jimmy Butler, you basically saying that this is Jimmy Butler's team. I don't think he's a trade traderman. He fits in with a group type of guy. Only people that I could see him fitting in, he would, he could only. It's two teams he could do that with. It would have to be the Lakers or Brooklyn, because that's the only teams where he would respect the players that, you know, the players around him to say those guys are better than him. I think like, he, he's, uh, not gonna, he's not going to act crazy with LeBron or KD or those what, guys. What about the Knicks? I think he, I don't know about the players per, per se, but I think he respects Tibbs enough not to, right? They they got a good, a great relationship from my understanding. So I, w- I would think he would be a decent fit with the Knicks in terms of that. If I'm the Knicks, though, because given that money that Jimmy Butler's making, do you blow a lot of that cap space on bringing Jimmy Butler in? Well, I, I would I would consider it because I don't the thing that the thing that I can see them wanting is they first of all if you bring in Butler they're gonna want RJ. RJ and Quigley would automatically be going to Miami because they would have to be in a deal. And they might ask for Mitchell Robinson too. It's too much. Yeah. That's, they, they, would, they would try to give you something back like Butler and you probably would get like Kendrick Nunn or something like that. Just because they, they wanna offload something to try to make it right whatever, but they will want Mitchell Robinson, and well, it'll at least be Mitchell Robinson and Barrett. Because every deal, if you look at teams, you got to start with Barrett because he, you know, he at least, you can tell that he has some upside, some potential. 
even if he can't be a number one option, we know that Barrett can be a number three option. We know that. And you know Mitchell Robinson would be a rim to, you know, a rim protector. You could move Bam to the power forward. So it would do some things to help their team out, bring him the money's different. You could sign Robinson back. So there's some different things there. So, I, I mean, I would consider it if I was the Knicks. It's, it's something worth considering. I don't know. In Miami, I would, I would probably pull a trigger. Because I think Miami, at this point, to me, now that I think about it, I think Miami is one of those teams that probably need to go with a full rebuild at this point. Yeah, I think they need to break that up, too. But I think, like you said, Jimmy Butler's going to be hard to move with that contract, and you got to keep Bam. Where you go, wherever you go. But that's that's kind of the thing. Outside of Bam, though, who... We all thought Tyler Hero would be one of those pieces based on the bubble performance, but now he's scaring me. I don't think he's bad. I think he, you know, he still has a lot of potential, but it just was a bad season for him. It would be Duncan Robinson. I would keep him. I would keep Bam and Duncan Robinson because Duncan Robinson fits in mostly into the new NBA. He's not the greatest defender, but he shoots, what, 44% from three-point range or something like that? So if you could get a point guard that can get into the paint, he'll knock yeah. down threes all the time. So you got to need at that point. You got to get a a creator, a shot creator. Yeah. To give so him that space. It would probably be him. It, it, he would probably be the guy to keep. I mean, looking at the teams and stuff and everything, I I'm a little I'm a little unhappy about the Phoenix and the Lakers series. Not that I don't think that the Lakers would have won. I would have liked to see a healthy Chris Paul. Because I think that was that first game was kind of indicative of like Paul's competitiveness, but without Chris Paul, he's kind of the heart and soul of that team. So I don't think it's competitive. What I didn't like, what I didn't like is with like anything else as a play, being a player at heart. Is Schroeder wasn't saying anything when Chris Paul was there. Don't wait till Chris Paul's out of the game to start talking trash. But now you look. It kind of evened out a little bit with with uh, Anthony. I started to call him Anthony Charman because he's playing soft. You know, he's a guy's always hurt. Anthony Davis, because now he's out, right? Or potentially out, day to day, right? Then he pulled something in his his groin or something. You know, it's always something with Anthony Davis, and it's it's unfortunate because the guy is a superstar, but he just can't stay healthy. So now I actually think with him being out, I think even with Chris Paul being a little injured, I think it may have swung back in Phoenix's favor with assuming Anthony Davis isn't Anthony Davis. Because look at today's game, right? Um, I want to go back to Mary with that Miami he says real quick. Um, okay. Again, long enough. And that's what's going on. Bam is a power forward, always was. Yeah. So for the last for this year or two, he's been pissing up. He's a power forward. He got exposed because he's not a center, he's a power forward. Yeah. So find a big man where he could be a power forward and work his jump shot. He doesn't have a jump shot. He can shoot, shoot the baseline jump shot. So he's getting, it has gotten better so long. Yeah. Sure. He, 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 he work on having him play power forward. And as far as the series so with, with the Bucks, Honestly, the Bucks have the three best players in the court. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is the fourth best player in the court. 
Yeah, between Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And that's what it is. Bucks just a better team from one to twelve, one fifteen, and that's it. It's hard for your team when they have the two best players on the court, let alone the three best players on the court every time. Yeah. That was the Bucks when it comes to playing the Heat. Uh, well, Lakers concerned. Um, if Chris Paul injury, you know, is 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 big, man. I mean, it, I mean, it, he played today. He won today. And moving forward, with our AD hurt. You know, C's probably changed for favor of Phoenix. Two two going back to Arizona, man. Right now, he is questionable right now. So, even if CPP CPP was healthy, he still could be LA with yeah. a healthy AD. You know, so um, now now it's more evenly skilled, evenly matched. You have one star who's hurt. You have one star who's hurt. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, I think with Phoenix, like assuming they were able to get by the Lakers the CP3 injury may have dampened their potential you know long run in the postseason potentially depending on how many games off or rest and everything else that's if they get by the Lakers um but the first thing I, I thought when I seen it is I said here we go again with CP3 right and it's not that he's doing anything it's just unfortunate that every time he gets to the playoffs it's, it's an injury right yeah one one uh, season with the Clippers, it was like a, a fractured hand or something like that. Then, of course, we know the infamous groin uh, pull or hamstring pull, right? Where in Houston, they always say they were one hamstring away from making the final, right? <laughs> and then here we go again. So CP3, you know, he'll get you there to the playoffs, right? But then, unfortunately, he just continues to get hurt when you need him most, it seems like. Yeah. So, watching this Clippers Mavericks thing, I mean, I gotta say this. I, I can't really, like, a lot of people like knocking them, but I can't say that Paul George is the issue here. I, I really can't say that. They can't really put it on them this year and say Paul George is the reason that it's not working. I mean, right. they're gonna have to come up with a different excuse this year because, I mean, they just, I mean, this Tipper Series is still kind of a pick them because you don't know exactly what's gonna happen the Mavericks, which team's gonna show up. But I, I, I really do think the Mavericks will probably pull this series out. What do you guys think? Not that I dislike the Clippers, but I actually want to see the Mavericks pull it out. <laughs> you know, because I think uh, I think the Clippers they had a, a lot of hype surrounding them even last year, right? And I thought last year they Paul George had had a, a bad postseason. So, of course, he became the easy target along with Doc Rivers, right? Hence the reason Doc was was let go. But the reason why I say I want to actually see him lose, not so much see him lose, but I would like to see Dallas win. Let's put it that way. Only because I like the excitement that Luka brings to the game. And I, I think the Clippers, even if they move on beyond Dallas, they're going to, you know, they've been exposed, I think. I don't think they're built for championship success. Paul George obviously is a great piece to have on your team along with Leonard. But beyond that, I don't know what direction they're going in. You got Patrick Beverly, who's a, a decent defender, but you know, he can't he, he can't do anything else. Right? I don't know. You got Reggie Jackson who's decent, but I don't know what's going on with him. Then you got Morris, who I actually like. I like Morris, especially when he was with the Knicks, but he seems to be struggling. I think Zubak is playing decent for them. 
he he's playing well, but I just don't know what direction that team is going in and who you can rely on to do anything other than Paul George and and and, uh, and Kawhi. They just have a strange team. I think the way they're built um, isn't sustainable. That's why I would like to see Dallas win because of that unknown factor. You don't know which Dallas team is going to show up. Luka may go off, you know, have one of those big nights and and, and upset somebody. Who knows? So I. I think Dallas is just a, a little bit more exciting for me to see because I don't think either one of them are going to win the championship. So for me, Dallas is just more enjoyable to watch. Whoever fans in the series come down to KP6, which version shows up? Point blank period. So I got to say about that series. If KP6 scored 20 or more like he should be doing, they'll be, they'll be the Clippers. He's doing, you know, uh, you know, 10 points, 12 points, not showing up, having two rebounds. LA will advance to the next round. So in my eyes, what I've seen so far, all about KP6, what version shows up? And you know, it's funny you mention that, Theo, because for some reason, and I know they brought uh, KP in there to be like this one-two combo with Luka, but they just don't seem to have that on-the-court chemistry to me. I, I see Luka out there more finding like Kleber and guys like that with those passes than he does KP. I don't know what it is, but those two just don't seem to gel as much as everybody would like for them to gel on the court. Yeah, you're going to laugh. You know what I think that is? It, it may sound crazy. Is I think Luka sees himself as a tough competitor. And and when you look when you look at KP, he might actually look think of his own teammate as a soft guy because you don't see Luca backing down. You see him mixing it up with players. They talk, he talks or something. Whereas KP shies away from the contact. Anytime he's hit, he's, he's hurt and stuff. The other guys, where like even a guy like Kleba, Kleba doesn't back down from people. So the guys that, that he seems to gravitate more towards are the guys that was in that that's a little more tough and a little more rugged. And I, I guess he may not see KP as, as reliable as those guys. Yeah, I think that definitely hurt the chemistry, right? Because they brought in KP, and KP was already hurt. So, you know, his first introduction to him was him sitting on the bench clapping for him for, for most of the season or whatever that was, right? Because he was still coming back uh, from the ACL injury when Dallas brought him in. So I think that hurt him, like the chemistry that is. And from there, it just never seemed like it, it really materialized. Like, I don't really even see Luca looking for him on those pick and pops, because we know at this point, KP is not really looking to do any pick and roll. He's not looking to roll to the basket, like you just said, Kanata. He's shying away from the contact. And I think a big part of that is, I don't know if KP trusts his body anymore. Because you look at it, when he was on the Knicks, first came into the league, all the put-back dunks and everything else, you don't see Porzingis looking to even attempt half of that stuff anymore. He's not near the paint. It's like he he just became a completely different, even on the defensive end, right? He, he was a, Yeah, he was a solid defender. Now, he's a liability on the defensive end. Right? They're looking to put Porzingis in pick and rolls before... You get him in a pick and roll, he could slide his feet decent enough for a big man, seven foot three. And then he was a good paint protector, blocking shots. I don't see KP doing any of that anymore. And I think, like you said, Kenyatta, that's probably why Luka is not gravitating to him 
because you know what it, what is KP doing? Taking you know the same long distance threes that yeah. Luke takes, you know? <laughs> what is he doing out there? He's like, I don't need me. I don't. I, and plus, it, I, I just think it's. I think realistically, I could see Dallas. It's two teams. I could see Dallas going after a guy like Andre Drummond or something. And I could see. I could actually see Miami going after a guy like Andre Drummond too. Or guys that would say guys that's gonna be out because Drummond is a little more rugged. He'll get those rebounds. You can get those putback dunks, and he's gonna be around the basket. Dallas doesn't have anybody around the basket. There's nobody even close to the basket. So they may need somebody there. Looking at these other series, I, I mean, I think it was nice, but the Jazz, I think the Jazz proved why they were number one seed. I think Bush and Memphis is pretty much, you know, they, they won their game and it was good. Mitchell came back, and I think it's pretty much going to be, be done with that. I mean, dude, I think, I will say this, I think Memphis is playing hard and playing tough. What do you guys think of that series? Yeah, I think, like you said, they won their one game. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they, you know, snuck another one in there and, and lost in six, maybe four, four games to two. I wouldn't be shocked. But um, I had the Jazz, if y'all remember, I had the Jazz actually making the final. Of yeah. course, depending on how Mitchell looked in his return, and he's looking, you know, like he's healthy. So I had them making the finals against the Nets in, in a series that most people, unless you're a hardcore fan, don't really care, you know, care to see. But yeah, I think um, Memphis, they were an exciting team. They made it further. They kind of like the West Coast version of the Knicks in terms of they were exciting to watch, probably wasn't expected to be where they are. They won a game similar to the Knicks. Now it's time for them to go home and, and work on you know, who they evaluate, who they're going to keep around, who they're going to let walk and, and go from there. I think they fall into that same category. Memphis is in the right direction. You have a good backcourt to build around with Dylan and, and John Morant. Christian uh, Allen is playing pretty well off the bench. If uh, Jaron Jackson could stay healthy, he'd be uh, probably even more better. But, you know, he always fires some kind of injury problem. But as far as Utah has been great, it's hard watching them. It's hard watching Donovan and Donovan Mitchell. I was seeing them before. I just, I just, it's how I see him. I see, I see his juice in New York, in Utah. I see him right now. Yeah. I can't go. I can't go. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I always do. I've seen him play. I know it says Utah, but my eyes, it's just say New York on it. But you still seeing Donovan Mitchell from Westchester County. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, but that being said, they look like the uh, number one seed in the West. Uh, Memphis is playing well. They're getting eight game, but Utah is just, just too much for the Donovan on court. Just too much for them, you know. I'll give Memphis one more, one more win, maybe. You know, it's tough playing a young team like that when they are home. And it seems like they're a tough team in a row regardless, though. But um, Utah's playing great, man. They're very tough. So, as long as Mitchell's there, they're going to be all right. And in the when I, and what I would say, the most competitive series, the Trailblazers and the Nuggets side 2-2. Two two. I mean, I think that that's, that's really a pick em. I mean, I think a lot of people underestimated the Nuggets. They thought when um, Jamal Murray went down that the team was going to kind of fold up. But we're seeing Aaron Gordon play better. Michael Porter, we know he stepped up big time. 
you know, Jokic is Jokic, and, and I gotta say he may be the MVP. Mm-hmm. Whatever that might be his award, but they were some that the Nuggets are hanging in there, and then like we talked about earlier, Carmelo and CJ and those guys are knocking down shots. So this is kind of like a tough one to call. Yeah, it's a strange series to me that one because <laughs> it's like two teams where you don't know which like for both teams you don't know who's gonna show up. Yeah. So I think that's what makes the series a little strange and competitive at the same time. Um, is both teams is just their wild cards. <laughs> With most other teams, you kind of sort of know what who what you're gonna get, but you don't know what you're gonna get from either one of these teams. Um, there's some consistency there. You know, Damian Lillard right is gonna hit those deep threes and go off for his thirty. CJ is probably going to get you his 18, 20 or a little more, depending on, you know, how much he decides to shoot or whether Damian uh, Lillard is hot. So there's some consistency there. But then beyond that, for Portland, you don't know what you're going to get. Some nights Carmelo has it. Some nights he doesn't. Some nights he's not as aggressive. Some nights Robert Covington is hitting the, the three ball. Then you got the, the, the point guard who won the dunk contest. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Simmons, yeah, yeah. Simmons Anthony's. Uh, some some nights he's going off. So it's a little. They're a little strange team. And then on the Denver side, there's some consistency there with Jokic, right? You know what you're gonna get from him. But then beyond that, you kind of sort of don't. Uh, well, you got. I would say Michael Porter Jr. has shown some consistency. You know, you you're gonna get you know 18, 20 points at least from him. I would say. But then beyond him, those two, who else, you know, from, from Denver on their side is going to go off. Yeah. Compazzo, right, may get you 12 points, 15 points occasionally. It's so many, you know, wild cards to that series, but it has been entertaining that series because of it. So I'm just curious. I don't think either one of those teams, especially Denver with no Jamal Murray, I don't think either one of them are like title contenders. But they'll make it tough. Whoever wins that series, they'll they'll win a game or two against you know their next opponent. Yeah, both teams are a hot team for sure. I think uh, the addition of uh, Austin Rivers for, for Denver was a very good pickup. You know, he, he could be a spark plug. He has he shows the ability to take over a quarter or, or, or two quarter pass you know, for sure. So he's out there at, 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 at the big stage, so to speak. Um, and, and, and you know, Portland is the same roster year and year round. It's up and down. You get puzzled, like you know, you guys have the talent though, but you just can't put the talent. And so, what remains, Portland does does get eliminated. Do you do you keep the backcourt intact? It's time for a change, man. It's got to get bumped in the first round. But that being said, it's a very good series, very entertaining, high scoring games, and uh, I like it for sure. But like I said, for the for the win, I've got the Forest Portland and all. Uh, Never, you don't really know who's gonna win. We don't know who these two even guys, guys, and both teams are high teams. I say with Portland. I say with Portland, if they if they get bumped in the first round, I could see them running it back maybe one last time. And the reason why I say that is the first guy who's gonna take the fall, and maybe rightfully so, is Terry Stotts, right? Yeah. You get bumped in the sure. first round, he's out. So that's the yeah, first yeah. thing they'll make is the coaching change. And then they'll get the the last hurrah, so to speak, after the coaching change to try to see if it was the coach who was the reason for it. Potentially, 
that's assuming that Damian Lillard doesn't get frustrated enough because I don't see CJ asking to be traded per se, but I could see Damian Lillard asking for a trade. Um, so he may be frustrated enough at this point if they get bumped in the first round. He may not even want to wait to see if it was a, a Terry Stotts issue. He may ask out. Potentially, of course, he's saying all the right things. I want to be with Portland forever, this and that. But I, we all know how that works. Yeah, I, heard, I, heard I heard KD say he want to be with OKC forever, right? <laughs> Two teams later, right? Here he is, right? We, we heard Kyrie say, you know, I want to return to Boston if, you, if you'll accept me and so we know how that game works. Of course, Damian is saying every all the right things, and I don't blame him. But if they get bumped in the in the first round, all those those things he said goes out of the window. At some point, he's going to be looking out for him and his family and whatever he thinks is best, whether that's returning to Portland or leaving. Yeah. Okay. So moving on off of, off of basketball into baseball, just looking at the standings. So in American East. I'm not really surprised that the um, Tampa Bay's in first. Boston is kind of surprising me. New York, we could be doing better, but I like the record at least for now for 29 and 24. And everybody in the divisions above 500 except for Baltimore, which is expected. I mean, right now, I think we haven't seen the best of the Yankees, but I'm not surprised that Tampa Bay's in first place. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would agree. I'm kind of, as a Yankee fan, I'm kind of happy where we are considering the way we started. Um, we started, I would say, poor, where it was, I, I was getting those, here we go again with, with Stanton. And Stanton was playing decent, I would say, to start the season. But they had me a little scared. Here we go again with Judge, Stanton, are they going to you know, curl up? So I, I'm excited where they are. Like you said, 29 and 24, considering that start is good. Tampa Bay, I'm not surprised to see them. They a team built around pitching, right? Yeah. So they're, uh, you know, solid. Boston, somewhat surprising. I wouldn't have expected them to be as well as they are at 32 and 20. So I'm a bit surprised there. But overall, um, I would say in in the American League East, it's kind of sort of what I expect with Tampa, Boston, and and uh, and the Yankees as the top three. And then Chicago, the White Sox playing well. I'm not too surprised there. And then moving on, uh, Oakland, right? I like Oakland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Houston, who's in second place in that division. I'm a little surprised there. Um, to some degree, I know Houston is a solid team. I thought maybe they would be a little worse given the, you know, the whole trash can thing and but overall, no no big surprises. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think the Cleveland Indians are a big surprise. They've been yeah. go wild. Indians, but as far as um, real concern, uh, Yankees always, always had some kind of issues with Staten on the DL or something. He's never been, he's never been you know, played at least 20 games straight without being hurt. Pitching right now, up and down, outside, outside of Jared Cole, we lost... Um, Clover, yeah. Who had a job for what, eight, eight weeks? So that, that, that's tough. And uh, I saw those two. I picked this really up and down, really, man. With, with uh, Domingo Jean. Domingo Jean, he didn't see it. All right, and Montgomery. And uh, we're trying to import young kid, De- Debbie, uh, 
Oh, yeah. Devi, um, I know. Cruz, I forgot that name. I yeah, I right now. yeah, I like him. Yeah, I like him right now. So, right now, so, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, try to team up right now to really be healthy right now. So, okay, just stay the course. The season is still pretty much young. Stay the course, stay close, and everybody comes back healthy and, you know, try to make a big run for first place into the playoffs. Yeah, I think, I think, um, Again, you know, you guys are right on. Boston's a little surprising. I think they're getting a big year from um, Rafael Divas. I think he might be leading the league in home runs or something like that. Good player, man. Yeah, so he's he's up there. The White Sox, they've been kind of predicting the White Sox turning around for a couple of years now. So that's not too surprising. Oakland always manages to get to get it done. Oakland has one of the smallest payrolls, but they always they they must have a hell of a scouting team. Cause they put mm-hmm. teams together and they just win, right? Yeah, for sure. Now moving on to the National League, we got the the first place Mets that have had so many injuries. I mean, they they might be the most they might have the most injuries in the league. And again, listen, they're they're stringing it together with different guys. Different guys are getting hits, and the pitching's been okay. You know, you got good performance from guys and Jake Degrom. I mean. They're talking about he might break the record this year. They might have a sub one ERA for the season. So, I mean, yeah, they they've definitely been a surprising team, like you said, uh, given how they've been able to sustain. And seeing them in first place, I'm a Yankees fan, but it's it's been exciting to see the Mets um, being first place and the Grom. Their pitching in general is is, is great. The Grom, especially, um, guys, incredible. So. I would say they're definitely a surprise in the National League. Padres uh, as well, right? I, I know they went out, they spent a lot of money over the yeah. last few seasons, um, but they, they've been a bit of, of a surprise to actually see the money they spent uh, paying off. So I would think they're a bit of, of a surprise. Then outside of that, not too many surprises for me. The Dodgers, maybe, I think uh, they're 31 and 22, decent record, but I. I think they'll probably, if I had to guess, overtake the Padres um, by season's end, barring any major injuries. But I would say the biggest surprise for me in the National League is definitely the Mets and, and Padres so far. Yeah, it's always good to have both New York teams do well. And the Mets is doing pretty good being a first place for a pretty time, especially when you're the first place by Lindor being, being the Lindor of old. So, well. Uh, that's a good sign when you win a game without Lindor playing well. I say, I guess offensively anyway, he's very good defensive player. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, other than that, man, I'm on, I'm on New York right now in front of baseball, man. Uh, Phillies have talent, you know, so they, they took a high team as well, man. You know, you got DD and left hand hitter, they got players right now, Harper. You got players there in Philly, man. This guy's playing together, man, right now. Dodgers gonna be Dodgers. Dodgers not going in there. Yeah. They're the team to beat, man. Regardless who, who, who's, who's hot, who's gonna play all the other team to beat, man. As far as AL, AL or NL. I mean, the National League Central looks like they have, they have teams are performing pretty well. You got the um, the Cardinals at thirty and twenty three, the Cubs at twenty nine and twenty three, and Milwaukee at twenty eight and twenty five. So they look like they're gonna be Cubs playing good. Cubs, okay. Yeah, Cubs at twenty nine and twenty three. Nice. So nice. They're gonna be pretty competitive down the stretch. 
I think you know what? I think Atlanta's surprising me a little bit that they're not doing as well as, as what people might have thought. The Braves, I thought they would have been doing a little better. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but we still wish we still got a lot of season to go. I'm just happy, like Ben, it's, it's always great to see both the New York teams on right. top. Whatever, and what's him when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So, here's, here's a question. Just going back to basketball, thinking about it. If you look at the local teams, while we're talking about the local teams, we have the Knicks and the Nets. And this has been bouncing around. You know, we've heard different people have this conversation. Which will be more worse? The Knicks losing in the first round or the Nets not winning the finals or not making the finals? I say the Nets not making the finals. Like if they, if the Nets didn't bring in Harden, then, you know, maybe, all right. But you have these three superstars there, barring any injuries, of course, major injuries to any one of them. And of course, everything changes. But given their three stars being relatively healthy, I say if the Nets don't at least make the finals, that's definitely a bigger uh, disappointment than the Knicks getting bumped in the first round. The Knicks, I don't think, we weren't expected to be there, you know, coming into the season. The Nets, once they put that big three together, they immediately was supposedly championship contenders. So, and plus, I would say in, in terms of the Knicks, we're playing against, like Theo mentioned, we're playing against a different Hawks team than we faced in the regular season. I, I think Atlanta has more talent, the Hawks, than we do. So I wouldn't even be surprised at all if the Knicks um, get eliminated. We weren't supposed to be there. Get eliminated in the first round. It's still a, I would say, a successful season for the Knicks. You don't make the finals for the Nets. Not so much in terms of success. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I agree with Ring. Maybe everything you said. I mean, they were talking chips before they got James Harden. It's like those um, chips aspirations in Brooklyn before the Harden deal. Like Kyle Harden. Is is it don't reach the finals? It's definitely on that man. A big fan for sure. So right now, Milwaukee and Philly looks real tough right now. So I would say Brooklyn not making the finals is a bit of a spark the Knicks losing the first round. I would I would agree with y'all, and, and even though even though I do think that um, one of the things that that even in this, if they don't make the finals, that should be considered is that they only played ten games together the whole year. So I do think, I do think that it's still the the worst the worst thing. I'm not making the finals, but I think some of that will be attributed to them not playing together the whole year. Because I don't think I don't think if they would have played, let's say, 42 games together, Philly wouldn't even be the number one seed. They they played the both yeah. the game together. They would be playing a home game in the in the in the finals or something. So I, I think that will factor into it. But I, I still think they'll make it. I still think they'll make the final. So that'll be interesting. As far as the Knicks, again, the expectations for the Knicks at the beginning of the season were no expectations. I think they were expected to finish 10th or something in the 10th in the East or something like that. So anything you get from the Knicks beyond that is gravy. I will say this, going into next year, that expectation is going to change. So we'll, pro- we'll probably have a different conversation about that next year with the Knicks. So, with all the stuff we got going on in the world, I'm hearing like a lot of stuff about the Olympics and people boycotting it or whether there should be Olympics or something. 
Um, what do you guys think of that whole thing as far as should there be an Olympics? Or should it be boycotted? Should we go? Or how do you think that's going to turn out? Get ready for the, the 2024 Olympics, I say. Just, <laughs> just skip it. You know, I think it's, it's still uh, too risky to play. It's obviously gotten better than where we were this time last year, but I still think it's a bit risky um, to go over there and, and have players from all around the world coming together. And obviously there would be extensive testing and stuff like that, I would like to believe to try to you know make it as safe as possible. But I still think it's a bit too risky. I say they just need to skip it. Um, plus, I don't think it's, it's supposed to be in Japan, right? From my understanding, I know Japan has started getting really bad over there. Um, I don't know where they are now in terms of the pandemic, but I think it's just too much going on. Just skip it and get ready for 2024, I say. Yeah, I agree, man. Don't play, man. 2024, man, or 2025. You know, it's too risky. Not worth it. No. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I think it's unfortunate. I think that it probably should be one of the things, or it shouldn't be like a thing that's like a big major thing to not have it. You know, I know they postponed it a year, or, you know, they postponed it for, but, you know, due to some of like the different political landscape issues they're having on top of COVID and stuff. I don't think it would be a big deal not to have it. But this, the craziest thing is, I think it's probably gonna end up happening. And I think the United States will participate and it's, and it's sad, it has nothing to do with actual the sports or anything athlete. More so things like the sponsors and all the money involved in it. Plus, I don't so, think uh, Japan, right? They weren't, at this point, they weren't even excited to have it. At least the people over there. Um, weren't yeah. excited about it. They're they're against it, right? Most of them, from from my understanding. So, like you said, it's a lot of it's a lot of money involved, though. So, of course, we know money money drives decisions. I mean, I've seen a thing on the Olympics in the countries that have the Olympics. Typically, you know, other than big countries with a lot of money, the Olympics is actually a situation where it. It may or may not help the Olympics. I've seen like a whole chronicle thing on the Barcelona Olympics where they had to go out and build all these fields and make all of this stuff to accommodate the Olympics. But when they went back and they looked, a lot of these fields, like the soccer players and different people played on, are now like just filled up with grass and stuff. So they never were actually utilized after the Olympics and they go out and they build these arenas and different things. And if, if you know, if the country doesn't make money, it's, it's kind of a huge expenditure if you don't already have the infrastructure to do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you know who's hosting or supposed to host the 2024 Olympics? Hmm. Yeah, who is the host of that? Because that's another thing, right, is I'm sure initially, you know, pre-COVID, Japan was, was excited probably, from my understanding, to have it, right? Oh, wow. They would never boycott that one. That one's going to be in Paris. So I'm pretty much sure that's definitely going to happen. So, I mean, it's one of those things from Japan's perspective, um, like when is their next opportunity, right? Because the Olympics is only every four years. You miss it this time. When is their next opportunity to host again? So that may factor into Japan, like pushing to try to have it. Um, but I think they need to, to skip it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think the Olympics. I think they they do like um they do like either two or three Olympics ahead. So I think after the 2024, I don't even think I don't know if they have the 2028 yet. They may not have that yet. So I don't know. Let's say, do you want? Would you want to have it? Then 2028. Oh wow, I think that's already already what's in my um, finalized too see that's the thing is yeah it's one of those things where they planning you know a, quite a bit ahead because like you said a lot of these countries don't necessarily have the infrastructure some do a lot of them don't so they plan ahead so that these countries can start building the infrastructure if they need to you can't throw up all these stadiums in a year you know well, if you figure, there's no way to, there's no way in 2028 is giving up because it's in Los Angeles. No, I don't see that one moving. Yeah, <laughs> I see the United States wanting uh, to to hold that one here. Yeah, so I don't see that one changing. So at that point, if you're Japan, that's probably why the original plan was all right. We'll just postpone it a year, right, to play it safe. Now, if you don't have it this year. When do you get a chance to host? So, I mean, it, I got. I'm just looking through it. It's kind of insane because they even have 2032. It's already in Brisbane, Australia. So, like you said, how far? <laughs> how now far we're, are we? we're we're already 11 years out. Yeah. So yeah, it looks like we have all the way to 2032. So their next opportunity wouldn't be till 2036. Yeah, no. Yeah, 15 years from now. So if you're Japan, that may drive some of your decision too to try to like make it happen somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't see them. Possibly. Nobody cares about like the. It's not a big thing to hold the the Winter Olympics, right? Which is why every two years or whatever it is, nobody really cares about that per se in terms of like, oh, I'm gonna hold it in in my country or so yeah their next opportunity being 15 years from now it's unfortunate for them but i think there's bigger issues going on in the world for that to be the main uh concern right now yeah i, I think i think what's in with that for safety reasons they probably they're gonna have it but it probably shouldn't so Theo brought up an interesting point that Robert Ori said he deserves a documentary. I mean, if you need a, I mean, this, when I first read it, Theo, I had to laugh because was it based on I go to teams where it has great players and I win championships? I mean, I know he contributed. I can't say that he hasn't contributed, but I don't think in any one of those, maybe Houston might have been his biggest, you know, his biggest contribution. I mean, what is his, uh, his documentaries based on having rings or something? Or I couldn't even understand why we've been giving Robert Ory a documentary. Yeah, I, I didn't see the quote, but <laughs> I mean, unless he's talking about, like, unless he's doing like a tell-all or something, I, I don't see why anybody, like you said, I would say he's been a contributor to these different teams. Definitely the whole big shot Bob thing. I think he's hit some big shots in his career. But to have a documentary, Steve Kerr hit some big shots in his career. Should he have a documentary? Or, or John Paxson, right? He has some big shots. <laughs> so, I mean, based on what? I don't know what the documentary would be, be about. Unless he's given like a tell-all behind the scenes about what it's like 
to be with David Robinson and, and Tim Duncan. <laughs> and Tim Duncan and people made two Elijah one. He could yeah, he could he might be able to make that documentary. I got to play with the best big men of all time. I played with Shaq Duncan and Elijah Wan. Yeah, unless it's a documentary about snitching, about behind the scenes type of stuff. I don't I don't know what what would it be about. And again, that's not to diminish he has hit some big shots, but I just rattled off two guys, you know, who hit big shots as well and can got rings, right? Steve Kerr and, and Paxson. Should they have documentaries? So I don't know what it would be based on, but I'm interested. Robert Warren had hit more big shots than Steve Kerr and other guy combined, honestly, think about it. Yeah, he, he probably has. Yeah, absolutely. Houston, Lakers, and Spurs. Yeah. You know, yeah, now, not, saying, not saying that I would, I, I would tune into it when the first day comes out, but I think <laughs> watching the weekend or something like that, if they do go through it, you know, saying, but uh, I mean, listen, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, he do has seven rings. He's been around the game for a long period of time. And, and maybe he has some get some, some good intel what is the pay for these teams while while while, while going of course to uh win a championship. So you never know what, what you have to offer. You never know. I mean, yeah. why not? Man? Yeah, the name of it should be called Carrie. Carrie Robert Owen carried because <laughs> the dude been getting carried his whole career. You know? I can't remember a, a time where I've ever said you know what, Robert Ory is a star. Forget about a superstar, all-star. Have you ever said, ever, Robert Ory is a star, has star potential? But the fact yeah. that he's confident enough to want to have one, then obviously that means he has, or at least feels he has something to say. So at the very yeah. least, I would tune in just for that, just see what he wants. To, I mean, what does he have to get off his chest? I think Theo's right. He might have some insight on what it is to be on great teams because he's won that, championships. I would agree. If you look at the players he's played with, he can't he can't deny that he's played with some of the best players ever. I mean, right. He, yeah, he can definitely he can definitely attribute and say, listen, or maybe talk about what it takes for those guys to be as great as they are, the work ethic, something like that. I, I can see him doing. But if it's about him specifically, you know, what he does and how he prepares, I mean. You got a shooting machine and you take shots, whatever. But I, I think I would watch it because it's basketball. Like you said, it, it's not one of those things where I wouldn't watch it. It just—it probably depends on what the perspective is or something. But I would definitely watch it. Now, if you say he was a like direct in the documentary, <laughs> I might have been a little more intrigued. <laughs> He's directing the, 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 the Olajuwon story, yeah. Yeah, something like that, maybe. <laughs> the craziest thing is, if you think about it, Olajuwon and David Robinson don't have Tim Duncan. They don't have the uh, They don't have them. Shaq and Kobe do, you know, but none of those guys have them. So, KG got one coming on the way. Yeah, I, I'm gonna watch that now. I'm looking at Ori's career stats. His best number were with the Houston Rockets. His best scoring, his best scoring season was him averaging 12, 12 points. That was his best scoring season. And that's what he was known for, right? Shooting, so it's not like he had monster rebounding numbers and everything else, assist numbers. His biggest scoring 
season in his career was 1995, averaging 12 points even in 37 minutes. He might have. I don't know what he has to talk about, other than you know, like you said, he, he does have uh, intel, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, playing with with superstars and everything like that, and he has hit some big shots over his career, but it can't be entirely focused on his career. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that would, could could potentially have those or something like. I'm sure if you go by that, I mean, I would watch Manuel Ginobili's before I watch his Manuel Ginobili. Album. Latrell Sprewell, his would be more interesting, right? <laughs> the whole it led up to the I can't feed my family with forty million dollars or whatever that was, maybe <laughs> more interesting. I mean, Latrell Sprewell story. Yeah, it's it's a lot more stories, but I think I think he's reaching. But I guess you know what happens when you got millions of dollars. If he pays for it, we'll see it because he got enough money to pay for it to have it made. So yeah, and I wouldn't mind hearing what he has to say um, about playing just in general, right? Because obviously the guy he's had a long career. He's done a lot of things that most people haven't done, right? For one, the guy made the league, right? And he had a long, he was the number 11th pick overall. Um, he made the league, he had a long, successful, I would say successful career. He never had big numbers, but he was always around on the team, right? He always, for the most part, contributed. Yeah, So it's not like he was one of those guys that was just on the bench collecting rings. Some of them maybe, but he, he did have roles in those, those rings, most of them that he won. Yeah. So from that perspective, I would like to hear what he has to say. I just don't know about assuming it's all about his career. I don't know how long, if it's, you know, is it is it a short documentary? I, or, think, I think how we sum up Robert Orley is we send Robert Orley a message and tell him to holler at Netflix. They seem to put out all types of stuff. So they might be, they might take the bait on that. But Robert yeah. Orley, you get the Robert Orley, um, the Robert Ory story or something. And the thing is, that besides basketball, um, he may have done things off the court, right? Yeah. That's yeah. worth talking about. So that's another thing. Yeah. Um, where he, he could have contributed to, like, went back to his community and did things there. So that would be, you know, good to, to hear. So it's not that I'm completely disinterested, but if it's solely based on his NBA career, I don't know how much he has to talk about from that perspective, unless he's talking about other players and highlighting what they've done, because he can't just be highlighting himself. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, lastly, we've seen this week the way players are getting treated on the court or something like that, between Trey Young getting spit out in the garden, Russell Westbrook getting the popcorn dumped on his head. I mean, I think think that like a lot of fans are overextending their their, their um their their seats. I think a lot of people don't understand. You buy a seat to watch a game, to watch a player play. That doesn't give you the right to to listen to do anything you want to because you're in a stadium. I mean, and then we had um I believe it was was um John Moran's parents in Utah. So. What do you guys think of that whole thing with the way the fans are treating these players and, and, and parents and different stuff? Yeah, I think it's I think it's unacceptable. And I don't think there's any place in the game for that. 
like being a Knicks fan, um, like hearing that Trey Young is balding, uh, chants and stuff like that, fine, right? And hearing uh, like the Atlanta Hawks fans make fun of the whole Knicks mantra, we we here and this and that. I think that's that's perfectly fine. But when you start crossing the line and spitting and throwing things and and uh, going into you know racial things like supposedly what happened with John Moran's parents, I think that's completely uh, crossing the line. And I think the team so far, at least from what we've heard, they seem to have responded well in terms of banning um, the fans from the stadiums, at least indefinitely. Who knows if that's a permanent ban or but I think, yeah, there's no place for that. I think the fans, even without COVID, spitting on somebody, that's just gone, gone a bit too far. And I think some fans, they've gotten a, a, a bit too comfortable with doing certain things. And you got to remember that these, these guys and their families are people too. So sitting there hounding, let's say, John Morant, right? His parents in, in, in the stands sitting there hounding my, my kid is one thing but calling me all type of racial slurs and stuff like that, that's another. That goes beyond the sport to me. And once you start going beyond the sport, then, then that's a problem. Anything on the court in terms of heckling, fine, it's fair game, right? In terms of taunting, right? Trey Young doesn't like birds, so if you wanna do, go that route with him and this and that, that's within the realm of the game, so to speak, but I think there's no place for the whole pop popcorn spitting and, and racial stuff. Um, I think that's gone a bit too far. And I also, in addition to that, I think the league needs to, um, like right now it's reactionary. When it happens, they respond. I think the league needs to do something to try to ensure that it doesn't happen, meaning whether that's, um, because you can't prevent somebody. Once they get in the seats, there's no way to completely prevent some knucklehead from doing something. But I think the league, at, at the very least, needs to send out, like, warning to the fans. Maybe have them hanging up in the stands, or in the um, stadium as reminders on how to conduct yourself and that type of thing. They have to try to do something as proactive instead of reactive. Uh, this in New York deserves a lifetime ban to me. It happened in D.C. and in uh, Utah deserves maybe a year ban. Let's leave it at that. We all know it's very disgusting what happened. What happened in New York? Very embarrassing. We disturb what happened. We don't. We don't do that. We, we, we win. We win. Or we lose. But you know what I'm saying? Let's move like men and win like men. We come to the fans concerned. We gotta do better than that, man. Because right now we get a bad reputation in New York as far as any sport for, you know, being out of control and doing dumb things. That being said, the individuals with the New York incident, lifetime ban, man, without question for sure. I think that guy. Yeah. When you when you look at people, I mean we've seen these things escalate out of control going back to the Ron Artest, Indiana, Detroit thing. So we know where this can potentially go. Even watching the video was in Russell Russell Westbrook had to be restrained from trying to go up in the stands or trying to confront the guy. So historically, we've seen these things go wrong where players, you know, players want to get involved, but things escalate. So again, like like you said, like you said, Theo and Kareem said, you know, when you look at it, 
we should have like different signs up for what, what's expected of a fan and we should just know that if we are fans we come to watch these guys play and to conduct ourselves in a, in a wisdom in a, in a in a manner that, as, as you should wisdom as you would conduct yourself anyway outside of a stadium so right now the nba is you know taking different action on it it was good to see that they didn't wait and go into these long drawn out investigations like they usually go to but it'll be interesting what they do in the future because I, can, I can't I, I definitely don't see it stopping I mean there's places like the Philadelphia Eagles actually have a jail in the stadium where we're saying where people get that much out of hand where they have to arrest people and detain them inside of the stadium so we've seen this stuff happen throughout sports and you know hopefully they can clean it up or get it to a point where where we're saying people are deterred from doing that type of stuff but guys with him again it's great having you know show with you guys any last words Reem? i mean my knicks are down three one i still think we got a, a, a fighting chance hopefully julius randall comes out performs the way we know he can um, I know I said some things where I was down on him a bit, but he's still a Nick. He's still our best player. We need him to perform. Same with RJ. You know, let's go Knicks. Field. I will say uh, rest in peace to Mark Eaton, Hall of Famer, you know, one-time All-Star, uh, two-time defensive player of the year. I mean, defensive player of the year, three-time on first-team defense. Then leaving blocks four times. Uh, fourth time in his career, he, had, he averaged four blocks per game, which sounds crazy. Yeah. He even had one year where he averaged five blocks per game. Wow. You know, so that's, that's crazy, man. So, you know, rest in peace to uh, Big Mark Eaton, man. And for me, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, and it's great to see the Yankees and the Mets win the ball, like, like you guys said, when they're both doing well. Um, as a Yankee fan, we still got to keep keep an eye on Jake Degrom. I mean, he might break the he might break the record. You know, have a sub a sub one ERA for a full season. So that'll yeah. be something that that's that hadn't been done. But again, thank you guys for listening. Love talking to you guys. Love talking sports with you guys. Until oh, next week. Man.